0: Hey guys, this is Luke from Fly On The Wall Podcast. I'm by myself today, um, and that's because, so no Big Was, uh, and that's because I'm doing like a little surprise special for Big Was that I'm calling... And Big Was was For All. all. Why am I calling that? Well, simply because I couldn't really think of anything. And his favourite Metallica... His favourite band is Metallica. And his favourite Metallica album is called And Justice For All. So I just thought And Big Was For All. I don't know. It made me laugh. So what I'll be doing is... uh, talking about big was and my love for him um, <laughs> and maybe some stories about big was that you may not know and uh, sort of uh injecting a few little snippets from each song each metallica song from the album and justice for all just because i think big was would like it I met Big was when I was 15 years old. He was 15 years old. We were young, horny, overly excitable teenagers. 26 years ago, now that's a long time uh, to be friends with one person, <laughs> or anyone really. Um, which, you know, really says to me that he's very patient <laughs> with the likes of me. Um, He tolerates a hell of a lot (laughs) from me. Um, But anyway, it was 1994 um and you know it was the year Kirk cobain died grunge died um i'd started a new school well my school that actually i went to a pretty rough technical school like a trade school almost type thing um and that had merged with a sort of a namby pamby soft weak spineless gutless school which warren went to and um lo and behold you know we sort of Cross paths and we shared the same subject which was woodwork we shared a few but woodwork was probably the one that stood out because that's when we sort of you know united um, I'd walked in I was you know a bit of a prick a bit of a punk and sort of always would go straight to the back of the class and not give a fuck about anyone. I don't give a fuck anymore. Um, but <laughs> but I, yeah, so I sort of sauntered in, walked past him and his freaky friends that he had at the time and was uh, sort of like just gave him a nod because I knew him. I knew him through a, through a mutual friend, knew of him sort of thing. It was like, yeah, what's up? And then went to the back and uh, I was really the sort of the Fonzie type <laughs> character. No, nah, no. Nah, I think prick really sums it up. Um, so I've gone back to the back of the class, and then you know, big was being the, the the you know friendly out there kind of jovial, love everyone kind of guy. Um, big cuddly bear is what he is. He sort of said, "Hey, you know, do you want to sit with me and my friends?" And I gotta admit, my first thought was like, fuck off, idiots. But then I thought, nah, I'm, you know, I'm usually bored sitting by myself, no one to talk to. So I thought, yeah, I'll give it a bloody go. So I went over to him and sat with him, and I, I immediately didn't really like the look of his friends. Um, They look like something from Lord of the Rings, in my opinion. I hate to judge, but they really did look like some kind of creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, But they were nice enough guys. But it was really, you know, Warren who sort of was making the effort to talk. Um, He can be very charismatic when he wants to. Um, But then, uh, then something magical happened. All the planets aligned, and he recited a speech from aliens three you're all gonna die the only question is how you check out do you want it on your feet or on your fucking knees begging? i ain't much for begging nobody ever gave me nothing so i say fuck that needless to say I fell in love with the big guy um, yeah we the more we talked the more we realised we had a lot in, so much in common um, there used to be another kid who was sort of hanging around the high school called Simon and he loved Warren just as much as me so we used to fight over who would get to sit next to Warren <laughs> like a couple of squabbling little schoolgirls. Um, but yeah, then uh, thankfully Simon moved away. So I won out. I sometimes wonder if, um, yeah, if Big was, you know, if Simon had stuck around, I wonder if Big was would have been torn between us or if he may have chosen Simon over me. Who knows? Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we, so we, you know, the relationship, the mateship just went from strength to strength. Um, one, one, key thing that happened actually was that i started looking over his shoulder to see him doing his drawings he's an amazing artist just a freehand draws whatever you want really you can just put pen to paper and go yeah you want a super mario brother no worries you want a space marine no worries you want a car with a gun turret mounted on the top no worries. He's just he can put his hand to anything and just just make the magic happen. And what it did was crush my dreams of being a cartoonist because I just thought, fuck, this man can draw. My drawings looks like something a chimpanzee did with a toothbrush between its teeth and a pot of paint. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but. It was okay because I was just so excited by his abilities that I pushed my own, you know, dreams aside. Long time listeners would know that um, in our little posse of friends, there's also a Glenn and there's also a Keith. Now, I'd, all, I'd already been friends with Glenn for uh, three years prior to meeting Warren. Um, Warren and Glenn didn't exactly get along at first, to be honest, but, um, but you know, it wasn't too long before they basically united, I think, over um, Guns N' Roses. That's what brought them together. And they started seeing eye to eye from that point, which is cool. Um, Then about a year or so later, Keith entered the fold. And suddenly we had a group. Suddenly there was these this band of brothers, of four brothers, you know, and we all got along just w- with each other just as well as the next, next person. And um, it wasn't too much longer after that, that I can't remember who it was, but one of us had the idea of, hey, why don't we start a fucking band? And a little punky, alternative rock metal-ish type band called Skirmish, was formed spell s k i r m y s h because that's how cutting edge we were um I was going to be playing the keyboards (laughs) of all things, because that's what my background was. I could play a bit of keyboard and piano, um, which I wasn't overly thrilled, but then I think it was Glenn who said, well, you know, faith no more. The band faith no more has an organist or, or a pianist. And I thought, yeah, okay. It could be cool. Glenn was actually going to play the drums. He went home and asked and, um, his mum and dad said no. So then I asked my mum and dad and they said, yeah, sure. No worries. So I became the drummer by default actually. And, wow, what a, what a thing because I love my drums. But Warren, um, had been playing guitar for years, um, starting with classic, uh, starting with more of a, a classical, uh, acoustic guitar, um, and had a few gigs at the church that he used to attend actually, and sort of realized then that, um, you know, music was cool. Then he started to dabble with metal music and, and eventually got an electric guitar. I think, I think he got the electric guitar when he was maybe 14 um, and he had that same guitar. And I don't know what it, it was, a black Yamaha electric guitar. He had that same guitar up until a couple of years ago. He still got it, but he but he didn't actually buy a new electric guitar until a couple of years ago. And the funny thing is um, Keith, who loves music and he, he actually became the bassist. He'd, he'd been playing bass for a number of years prior to joining the band. Um, he always sort of gave Warren a bit of a hard time about the Yamaha guitar, but the rest of us were like, well, he's making fucking awesome music with it. So shut the fuck up, Keith. But in more recent years, I think Keith has seen the error of his ways and and learnt to really appreciate what Warren could, the sounds that Warren could get out of what wasn't exactly an amazing guitar, but Warren made it work for for us. Um, So we had this band. It was very sort of Green Day-ish, Offspring-ish, Nirvana-ish, Metallica-ish. It was a blend of all the kind of music we we thoroughly enjoyed back then and today. Um, We all sort of struggled with the vocals we all gave it a bit of a go but but we weren't you know we weren't amazing singers back then but we did our best we had um <clears throat> like uh, some classic songs like eat me which was about oral pleasure we <laughs> we had um old soldier which was about sort of like uh, almost like um metallica's one from and justice for all, um, about a soldier who, you know, um, had a horrible time during the war. (laughs) Um, and we had a lot of other sort of childish, uh, we had, um, school days, I think it was, and it was about how much we hated school. Um, yeah. So it was a very sort of juvenile, but fun band to be in. And none of us were, well, I'd probably say at that stage, I'd say Warren and Keith were probably, really the leaders of the band as far as... their expertise were, were up there. I was sort of struggling along with some beats as best I could. Glenn was sort of fresh learning the guitar and was struggling along as best he could. But the passion was there. And I never forget, because we used to record it back on, on bloody, um, what do you call it, cassette tapes, the old TDK cassette tapes. Um, some of you might not even be old enough to remember those. Um, but <laughs> we used to record on there, and they were shitty, hissy recordings, you know. And I never forget, we played it to a couple of good girls at school one day the the first time we said yeah this is what we do and and one girl called Melanie she like her jaw dropped and she goes hang on hang on this is actually you guys because we were we were fucking idiots at school let's put it that way we weren't we weren't jocks and we weren't like the losers of the school but we weren't exactly like I don't know we weren't seen as the cool kids we were kind of um yeah a bit different I suppose but we we're a we we're our own little posse like I said anyway so she listened and was yeah she was shocked that us four idiots could actually get together and make music because you know what for as rough as as it was it was actually pretty fucking cool. Natural, if not somewhat reluctant leader of the band because he just has this, he has a very musical ear. and what he, the, the great thing about Warren, he can hear the song in its entirety before we've even done it. So we'll have a riff, I might have a beat, and and he still does this today, because we still actually have um, a version of that band today, which is kind of cool, but I'll get more into that later. Um, but back in the day, and I'm talking the end of the 90s, mid to end of the 90s, he um, could conduct, that's what he is, he's a, he's a producer... Uh, a music producer and a natural conductor of music. He can hear what the bass should be doing. He could be he could hear what the guitars need to be doing, the vocals, the drums, everything, and how it should all piece together. Um, now we'd all have our own ideas and that kind of thing as well, but he would just be able to envisage the whole, or or let's say hear the whole song before it even happened, and that was cool. So we kind of looked up to him or looked at him to sort of lead us as far as what the song should be doing but also for for someone like me and i think the others to a degree as well for someone like me who um i can't read music i i hear music and i replicate it and i i um i can i've got a musical ear. I've, i can definitely sort of go well this is how it should go Um, but as far as like, I never wrote anything down. So I'd sort of be looking at Warren to sort of tell me, okay, Luke, we're going to go into the bridge now. You need to play that other beat. So, (laughs) so for me personally, it was always great having him there because he was, he was able to keep doing what he was doing. He was playing some awesome rhythm guitar. And getting stuck in banging his head but at the same time he's counting in his head and he's remembering where we're up to and then he could look at me just give me the slightest nod and i would know Ah, oh, yeah we've got to change here and that was you know that i guess in a way that started to really strengthen without sounding cheesy but that kind of strengthened our connection not just between me and warren but but for all of us Check out the Fly on the Wall podcast. Two knobs talking about knobs and a lot more. (laughs) So we were locked in. Four mates who became four brothers who were pretty much inseparable. Um, We were at rehearsals every pretty much every single week, I think, at one point. And I think if it wasn't for... Obviously, the friendship was there, but if it wasn't for the band, I think there's a chance that after high school had sort of finished, um, we may have gone our separate ways. I think we would have all been friends, but I think we would have – like, for me, for example, I probably would have been more inclined to go into state to work or whatever – Um, And we would have sort of, I think, naturally peeled away a little bit from each other. And I don't mean to sound (laughs) like nasty with that. I'm just saying that that's how life goes sometimes, you know, like there's not many groups of friends that remain really tight knit, really close after high school. Yes, you might have one or two that you might catch up with occasionally and blah, blah, blah. but, But us four boys, we are... Closer now than ever before all these years later. We've all lived in the same areas. We've all gone through similar experiences as far as, um, relationships and, um, buying houses and all that and work and all that kind of thing. Um, I suppose the key difference is that Warren and I were even more similar with our, with our life path. Um, I won't go into too much detail, but there was relationships that didn't, you know, go as smoothly as we may have hoped at the beginning. Um, and we could relate on that. We could confide in each other on all those sorts of things. Um, but us four boys have been so solid. I've always been there for each other, I've always relied on each other, have always managed to catch up and have a really good time. Now, we've had many adventures and I'm, I can't obviously haven't got enough time on this podcast episode to relate all of them, um, to regale you with all of them, but I'll tell you a few Of the ones that sort of stand out for me. Um, (laughs) We've had some drunken times, all right? Needless to say, we've had some good drunken times. Um, One that stands out to me that was more recent times over the last probably maybe five, six years ago, I think it was. We'd all got together at my place, and so we're adults, we're full grown men. Um, with children and responsibilities, and we all got stuck into a few drinks, and we were by ourselves, there was no one else around, it was just us four at my place, and the wife had recently been shopping and and left a watermelon out, innocently, you know, innocently left a watermelon on the bench. Now, I don't know whose idea it was, but we got, we were fucking pissed as all could be, and uh, we decided... Uh, what a great idea it would be to try and headbutt the watermelon until it smashed into a 100 pieces um, each of us you know we lined up each of us had a good whack we basically left the <laughs> left the watermelon on the bench and just with all our might threw our foreheads into the watermelon and smashed our head into a rock hard Watermelon, and I think I tried maybe once or twice. I think Warren probably tried once or twice, and Glenn tried once or twice. Keith, being Keith, (laughs) tried probably about a, a half a dozen times, and unfortunately, none of us were successful but we were successful in getting uh, quite a sore head and we were successful in bruising the watermelon. And uh, needless to say, a couple of days later, my wife was curious and said, hey, did you guys like drop the watermelon or something on the weekend? And I was like, oh, no. Nah. And, and then finally I admitted that what we'd been doing. So like I said, idiots, we're fucking idiots, but we're together. We're like mates. We, we do idiotic things together which are which i think is just nice and uh, warms the cockles of my heart <laughs> story I'd like to tell you is um, a few years ago again uh, Warren and I were right into canoeing um, Warren probably more so than me, but I, you know, he bought this canoe and he did it up and he, he's a very handy man. So he managed to fix up this old canoe, uh, you know, fiberglass one with, uh, and he, he's got timber gunnels on it, which is the, the ridge rim thing that go around the outside of the canoe. For those of you that don't know, um, he put in a seat uh, or a couple of seats and, um, it's just a work of art. It really is. He calls it the dreadnought, which is uh which is a great name. And, uh, anyway, so we got right into it. We, we went out a few times to together and we this one day we managed to convince our two buddies keith and glenn to come along with us and we went to the i think it was the goulburn river in victoria um which isn't a, a full-on white water rapid river it had some sections that were a little bit sort of uh, more intense than others but it wasn't too bad it wasn't like extreme it wasn't like you what you might see on the river wild the movie of kevin bacon um But it was, you know, it was mildly challenging, is what we thought. Um, but on this day, yeah, we had our we had our two mates with us. Um, I took my canoe as well. Uh, Keith was originally with me but um, kept being too scared that he was going to fall out because my my canoe was a little bit wobblier. So basically I kicked him out and said, well, you go in Warren's end. Fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and so Warren, Glenn and Keith were all in Warren's canoe, right? So I'm sort of zipping around, loving life because I was on my own and sort of freeballing it and just and going as fast as I could and going over little tiny rapids and getting pretty excited, whereas those three boys, obviously uh, their canoe was a lot heavier, so a lot harder to control, Um, and unfortunately... They had a prank. They they sort of went sideways into a um, into a uh, like a like a log and a rock that was sort of sticking out in the middle of the river. They, which was weird for me because I'm what me watching from sort of you know uh, the sidelines so to speak, I could see them heading straight for it. I'm like, fucking turn, fucking turn. But like I said, because of the weight. And because um, it was the river was moving fairly quickly, they just didn't have enough fucking time. So they tried their best, and obviously as well, Warren was a little bit more experienced than Keith and Glenn. So he was sort of barking orders, but maybe it was a little bit of lost in translation going on, and it, it, they just lost control and slammed in the, the side the side of the canoe into this uh, jutting out log, and I... Uh, it was, for me, I, I pulled over to the uh, the riverbank and the two, Glenn and Keith managed to swim across to where I was, uh, or roughly where I was, but Warren was on the other side and he was he managed to drag the canoe with him over there, but the canoe had taken water and Warren was stranded. And i got to say, there's been a few times over the years where I've been fearful and scared and concerned for my friends, but this was incredibly frustrating because... I couldn't get to him. He was on the other side of the river, and I just oh, and I thought, if I just start swimming straight across, the current is going to take me away from Warren. So I started to head up further up the river to sort of go, well, maybe the current can catch me and I could swim hard across to Warren and give him a handsy at a canoe. But then Warren, being the fucking super beast that he is, managed to, I don't know how he fucking did it, but he managed to get some of the water out of the canoe and then swim and float. We all had life jackets on, of course. Um, swim and float and and get across to the other side of the bank to where we were, and it was a it was a mammoth effort. And you know we were sort of like hurrah for the day. And then unfortunately, <laughs> a little while down the river again, so we, you know, we got all the water out and we sort of checked everything, got back on board and everything. And off I went, I was on point and again, scooting over the little rapids, having a great time. And then it kind of happened again. These three boys, unfortunately, their their uh, canoe slammed into these rocks and this time, it ripped a hole in the side of the canoe. So I managed to quickly, I saw what happened directly behind me. So I managed to pull over um, onto uh, onto the bank there and it was a really dark, dank, swampy area of the river. It just added to the whole kind of drama of the scene. Managed to pull over. I dragged my canoe up onto the bank and then assisted in trying to get them across. Luckily, there was a big branch going across where they could sort of hang on to that and then slowly but surely drag themselves across and onto the safety of the bank. Then we managed to haul the, um, the canoe over. But it was intense. We just ha- They just had the crash, you know, uh, maybe half an hour before, and then suddenly this as well. So it was quite an intense situation. And this is where Warren sort of Sean, he came into his own. Like I said, he is a bit of a natural leader and he probably, he's probably grimacing now that the fact that I'm saying that, but he just is, he's not one of these, like, like I'm a loud mouth, like, ah, look at me everyone. But Warren is calm, collected and just like a real thinker and was like, okay, so we need to, and his mission was to fix the hole. And like I said, because he's, because he's hands on, because he's very good with his hands and he's, he's logical. Um, so he's a good thinker as well. He was able to go, right. Well, if I use the waterproof bags that we've got, um, that we've, you know, put our mobile phones and wallets and stuff like that. in, if I use those and, and as he's a bit of a boy scout as well. So he'd brought some gaffer tape and as we know, gaffer tape fixes everything. He'd managed to, secure the like fix the hole with these waterproof bags and the tape and his theory was the pressure of the water once we put get put the canoe back in the in the river the pressure of the water would help keep that hole tight if you know what i mean and you know what it did exactly that so here we are sort of stuck on this swampy bank i guess my role Uh, for that particular moment was just trying to keep people calm and just keeping it lighthearted because it could have easily have been a case where stress levels went quite high. I was... I don't know why, but I was actually quite enjoying the whole adventure part of it. But there was other people who were a little bit more stressed. So I just thought, well, okay, so if we can, if I can just help keep people on a positive and keep people happy, that was my kind of role. Warren took on the leader role naturally and just was like, okay, let's, we need to fix the hole and we'll get the fuck out of here. No problem. And that's exactly what happened. And it was, I look back and just think what a great experience, but it was, (laughs) it was, it was intense and it was scary and it could have easily have gone pretty bad, but um, but yeah, we got out of there and uh, and Warren, you know, fixed this hole, which was, which was just incredible, and it kind of just added to the whole fun experience. <laughs> was is the epitome of a sensitive new age guy. He's very, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but he's very in touch with his feminine side. He's very much a man who, he's very much, he embodies the gentle man. He's not rough around the edges. He looks like he's rough around the edges. He's a fucking, he's built like a brick shithouse, but he's like a big puppy dog. He's extremely sensitive to other people, his friends, and, and his family, of course, and um, people he might have worked for. Um, he's even sensitive to what he, you know, reads or sees on the news and all that kind of thing. And it's an, a, a very endearing quality, even though I've taken the piss out of him for it many, many times. That's just my bravado. That's just my way of like, ah, oh, you're fucking, you know, but... Deep down, I actually really admire the fact that he wears his heart on his sleeve all the time. I know this is a little bit cheesy, but that's what the whole episode's about, so fuck off. Um, but he does. He wears his heart on his sleeve, and he's not ashamed of it. Sometimes he's been embarrassed by his own um, sensitivities, but um, really, it's actually, like I said, it's a very endearing quality for a man to have. Um, I think we, you know, typically us blokes grow up in an environment where we're, we're raised to be tough. We're raised to be strong. We're raised to be hardworking. And there's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think the more you can be yourself and the more you can show emotion and stuff like that, which is something I've learned over more recent years, I think, it's a good thing. It really is a good thing. Now, Warren obviously knows me better than most people when he knows that I've got this sensitive side and he knows that I sort of, uh, cover it over with just being fucking hard as nails and having no fear. Um, he knows I like to put this persona out there, <laughs> but he, he knows every aspect of me. So therefore, um, it encourages me to open up to him. Like I, I think, um, as I say, in more recent years, I've, I've learned to be more open and talk about shit and stuff, you know, but, but Warren has always been able to tap into that side of me. So I've always um, confided in him. I've always trusted him with how I'm feeling about things. We've had, you know, inverted commas, deep and me- meaningful chats many, over many, many years um, in regards to relationships, in regards to work, in regards to stuff, you know, baggage that might, either of us might have. Um, and, and I have so much respect for him for that reason. Don't get me wrong. My other mates I know I can talk to as well. But Warren, I don't know, he has this nat- natural way of drawing it out of me, natural way of just making me feel like it's okay to, to talk about some heavy shit. is or has been my muse (laughs) and also my shepherd not my anal shepherd like we talked about in episode 77 you have to go and check that episode out to see what i'm referring to Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, no 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 Uh, what i mean is so any ideas that I had that I've had over the years, he's always been like supportive and kind of jumped on board and teamed up with me. Like we've done things like made these weird little videos, like movies, little little miniature like short length films together years ago, which were just fucking weird. Where we used like. Um, toys and, and, um, we had scripts and yeah, I don't don't know. It's just a weird thing. We went through where we made these comical little shows. This is long before YouTube. So this was on VHS guys, VHS. Um, and yeah, we just sit there and watch them and laugh. So that was fun. Uh, obviously we had the band, but that was kind of a group thing. Um, Warren and I, so from the band, after the band, I suppose, there was a bit of a lull, but me and Warren kept catching up and having a a jam from time to time, just acoustic guitar and me singing a few songs or whatever. Then that slowly sort of uh, evolved into us forming this band called Eleven. He's born on the 11th of January, 1979, and so am I. So we thought, yep, Eleven seems to be a bit of a prominent number, so we called the band Eleven. And bit by bit, that that two piece blues and roots thing evolved into uh, quite the monster actually Uh, without blowing our own trumpets it we started gigging around town and and started to get a little bit of a local name for ourselves and it was so much fun and because of the the natural chemistry between Warren and I as mates, but also the natural chemistry musically, it just worked really, really well. We we're in the same headspace with where we wanted the band to go, how we wanted it to sound. and and in a in a time where uh, it's hard to be unique, I think, with music we ended up very much having our own sort of sound, which was uh, which was really, really cool. And then, you know, fast forward a few years and we've got this podcast, which has naturally evolved as well. Um, we really didn't think we'd get the listenership that we have got. Um, you know, we're up to nearly six and a half thousand listens, which is just Blown our mind that people were actually interested and find us funny and all that kind of stuff, which is which has just been awesome. So, so you know, we've always worked really, really well together. As far as him being my shepherd, <laughs> I think he's maybe a better word is he's my conscience. So not so much anymore, but I think over the years where I've sort of wanted to go off the handle or be a bit nuts. I'm like a fucking firecracker, and uh, Warren has managed to sort of pull me into line in subtle ways, but also more sort of uh, making a concerted effort to go, Luke, I don't know if that's a good idea, mate. Um, I don't know if you should walk on a tightrope across two buildings in the middle of the city. No, no, but he he reins me in a little bit, and I think I need that, <laughs> but at the same time, and I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet here, but I think at the same time, I've um, allowed him or enabled him to be a bit nutty and to let loose a little bit as well. So I kind of think it works both ways. I think between him and I, we will make the perfect human. <laughs> no, no, no. He's, uh, he's just managed, always managed to look after me, I suppose, like he does with his family, like he does with his other mates as well. He's just that kind of guy. He's always, um, he's always there for us. He's always that bloke who is reliable, trustworthy. If you're in a jam, you can call him. He's always willing to help roll his sleeves up and and do the right thing by his friends and family. And I think that's another great endearing quality of Big One's. It's fly on the wall motherfucking podcast. Big Waz, a.k.a. Warren, is one of the kindest, nicest, most generous, funny, sensitive, interesting, and extremely clever blokes I've ever met in my life. And it's for all those reasons and more that he is one of my heroes. My dad is my hero. My granddad is or was my hero as well. Still is my hero, but he's no longer with us. But Big was he slides into that uh, category as well. Um, I can't rave about this guy enough. He is my brother. We're not blood brothers, um, but... uh, He's better than a brother, I suppose. He's like a lover. <laughs> no, 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 he's not a lover. Um, but you know what? Like, I, I think I share more with him than I do with my sisters. I love my sisters to bits. But I, I talk to him about everything and anything. There's nothing I wouldn't talk to him about. Put it that way. We've had, uh, you know, our group of friends and families and stuff like that. We've had our share of drama. Um, We've had a share of um, extremely sad times and it's because of Warren and it's because of our brotherhood with our other mates as well that we've been able to get through some shit. Um, You you know, like life throws you some pretty fucking hard things sometimes and it's our, our mateship that really gets us through. Yes, it's our family as well, without a doubt, 100%, but... I think there's something to be said about, you know, talking to a best mate and knowing that it's not going to upset them or it's not going to affect them how you're feeling as such, or there might be a shared um, experience that you can sort of um, talk about that maybe no one else really understands. and honestly that just uh, it helps me breathe better each day knowing that i've got someone like big was out there who's always going to have my back who's always going to be my mate who's always going to be my brother and it just yeah it's a it's a great a great great feeling So, my friend, I know you're listening. I know you're probably getting teary listening to it. (laughs) Um, I hope you've enjoyed the episode, brother. And, yeah, I just wanted to uh, do it as a a kind of gesture to say thank you for all these years of mateship, Um, to say thank you for being my confidant, for for being my pal, for being everything. And, um, yeah, I hope you've enjoyed the little snippets of uh, Metallica as well. So, and anybody else who's listened to the episode as well, I hope you've enjoyed it. A little bit of an insight into who Warren is and, and why we all love him. He's, he is a great, great man. So keep being who you are, Big Was. Um, we all love you. But from your, uh, your best pal, Luke, um, cheerio. <laughs>